We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Twenty minutes a day. 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Hello, friends. Welcome into the Packaday Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. What a monumental moment in the history of the Green Bay Packers and the history of the NFL for one of the most iconic players in the history of the NFL with Aaron Rodgers talking on Pat McAfee on Wednesday and us finally getting clarity on what exactly is going to happen moving forward. And that, of course, is that Aaron Rodgers is going to become a New York Jet and will no longer be a member of the Green Bay Packers. We're going to go over all of that. I want to get through extremely quickly because it's mostly irrelevant today based on all of the Rogers stuff that's going on, right? But I'm going to quickly buzz through all the other stuff that did happen on the day. Green Bay officially re-signed Keyshawn Nixon as well as Tyler Davis. They are both back with Green Bay. Meanwhile, Detroit Lion and former Green Bay Packer and Packer fan favorite Jamal Williams heads to the New Orleans Saints. Yash Nyman officially gets his second round tender. Chris Barnes is not tendered and per Bill Huber will not be back with the team this upcoming season. So Chris Barnes has also played his last game as a member of the Packers. It's not going to quite generate the story that uh, number 12 has on the day, but uh, Devondre Campbell restructured his contract and on the day that Aaron Rodgers becomes a, or at least announces that he's going to become a New York Jet, the Packers Go out and get a long snapper. They signed Matt Orzik from the Los Angeles Rams, a Super Bowl champion long snapper to add to their roster. They did need a long snapper and it does go to show uh, just exactly, you know, some of the pull, I guess, that Rich Bisaccia has around uh, the Packers organization. They continue to build that special teams up. But all of those stories, for the most part, a completely moot point and not even worth going too much into because... This is a franchise-altering day. It's an NFL-altering day, and I want to just talk about it and go over it and obviously react to it. And I'm going to be very forthright and honest on a few different things today. The first one I'll say is that this is is one of the hardest episodes I've ever put together because where where do you start? Where do you begin? Where do you end? Like, 
This is Aaron freaking Rodgers. The journey that he took from first, like was going to be first overall pick to sliding to the Packers, to being taken by the Packers, to the whole Favre saga, to becoming the starter, to becoming the face of the franchise, the Super Bowl champion, the four-time MV freaking P, to now following the same footsteps as Brett Favre and traded out of Green Bay to the New York Jets. And there's so much that goes into that. We can talk about Jordan Love. We can talk about Rodgers on the Jets. We can talk about what, yeah, all, there's so much. The the history of Aaron Rodgers and his best plays and what he means to the team and how, how he ranks organizationally and all those things, right? There's, there's so many things. We could legit spend the next five hours going over all of it, right? So th- this is a very difficult um, episode to put together and even just where I wanted to start, where I wanted to go, what I wanted to talk about. So a lot of it, I'm quite frankly, talk about off the cuff. I do want to go over and, and sort of start with the discussion that Aaron had with Pat. And I'm going to sum this up pretty quick, mostly because if you want to hear it, just go out you can find the snippets, you can find the clips, you can find everything, right? I don't need to go verbatim and here's everything that Aaron said. That's probably not doing anyone any favors. But the quick version of this is that during the season, Rodgers started to get some feel that maybe he wasn't going to be fully wanted back in Green Bay in 2023. Then he has his end of season or postseason after they lose to Detroit. He has that of those meetings with Brian Gutekunst and the Packers basically tell him, hey, it's take your time. Totally up to you. If you want to be quarterback of the Packers, and again, this is all per Aaron, but if you want to be quarterback of the Packers, you know, we're here for you. You know, you're, the job is yours if you want it, all of those sort of things, right? So that's the indication that he gets from the Packers front office. So you know, Packers said that they're open to him returning. He's getting ready to go on the darkness retreat. He goes on the darkness retreat. And then he says he comes out and the tone and tenor of the entire situation had changed. He mentioned that he was 90% uh, on like expecting to retire at that point. It does seem like he's sort of, and I'm just reading between the lines here that once he gets the inkling that Green Bay wants to move on, maybe he's a little bit extra motivated, which A, I would not blame him for. And B, uh, um, like that's just how he's been wired, like his entire career, right? Oh, you don't think I can play anymore? You're like, you don't think that I'm still one of the greatest? Like, you don't think I can be MVP still? All right, I'm just going to go show you as a member of the New York Jets. And that, that's not even like spiteful. That's just a competitive drive that he has within him. And I totally get that. But he was basically 90% set on retiring. He decides he wants to play. He says that the Packers at that point had changed their mind, that they had had some trade discussions at that point. And then, you know, Rodgers changed his mind. He decided that he wanted to play, has the meeting with the Jets, wants to play for the Jets. And the only thing that is really stopping this at this point is working out trade compensation between the Jets and the Packers. So that's where things are at. And again, you can go view the whole thing on the Pat McAfee show if you want to see it in its entirety. But that is the Cliff Notes version of what Aaron said. And he was extremely complimentary of the Green, you know, of the Packers, of, of the city of Green Bay. So many people within the organization uh, didn't name Matt LaFleur or Brian Gutekunst by name, but mentioned a ton of other people. You know, I, I thought he handled the entire interview extremely well. You know, he could have gone scorched earth in this interview. He very much could have, and he didn't. He chose again to mostly be perfect. There were a couple, you know, maybe little digs, little Aaron Rodgers-isms in there a little bit here and there, but nothing egregious. And again, I thought it was mostly positive. And I, I again, I can understand all, all of his emotions. I can understand, I, I'll say this, not sure I would have handled that as well sincerely, right? Like if you are the guy, if you are the franchise quarterback, you're like the greatest player potentially in Packers history. And we can debate Bart Starr and, and Don Hudson and so many other players on so in, in different days, but arguably, at least in the argument, right? Of greatest player in the history of the franchise. And if it were again me, and now you're just going to trade me away to another franchise, even though I still potentially want to play there, like yeah, I don't know that I would have handled that as well as Aaron did, if I'm being honest. So I, I thought he did a, a really fantastic job, and I don't like no notes, like no no anything, right? That's a, that's a that's a tough situation to be in, and he handled it extremely extremely well. As far as you know, some of the things that I read into this, it certainly seems that he was a little bit upset, like, and I think he wanted to be like, "There's no victim here," and I respect the process. 
Yeah, and he didn't say that. In fact, he went more the opposite direction. But you get what I'm saying, right? Like he was trying to be complimentary, but you could ultimately see that he was frustrated that the thing that he was so adamant for and fighting for when he sort of held out that it's about the people and these these players on their way out and how the Packers organization treats those players on the way out, it was now happening to him. And you could very much tell, and I do believe him in the the piece where he says, hey, if we had our end of season meetings and you just told me flat out, we're going to go in a different direction. We want to go with Jordan, that he would have respected that and appreciated that. I believe him. I really do. And maybe there's no doubt, right? There's still a dagger that goes in the person's heart at that point. Nobody wants to hear that they're not wanted anymore. But I do think Aaron sort of laid that out previously and said, hey, like I'm willing to you know, I'm, I'm willing to have conversations. And if Green Bay wants to go in a different direction, that's, that's okay. And he sort of laid that out in the past. So I do sort of believe him that if Green Bay, you know, would have been ultra transparent and just said, Hey, we want to go in a different direction. I do think Green Bay sort of wanted to avoid that difficult conversation. If I had to guess, I think maybe Green Bay had a strong inkling that Rogers would maybe just want to retire, which he was 90% set on. So I think maybe Green Bay had a feeling that he was just going to retire and maybe didn't even have to have that conversation, that Aaron was going to come to the conclusion on his own that he didn't want to play anymore. And that was going to be the end of it. Or maybe Green Bay just didn't want to seem like the bad bad guy forcing a quarterback out of Green Bay, an all-time great, a legend out of Green Bay. Maybe Green Bay didn't want to be that, you know, the, the, I, I, bear of bad news is the wrong word here, right? But they didn't want to be the messenger. They wanted to just say, let Aaron do his thing. And then according to Aaron, at some point that calculus changed for Green Bay and they decided that it was no longer in the best interest to move forward. Maybe there was some, you know, code between Matt LaFleur and Brian Gutekunst and Russ Ball and, and uh, Mark Murphy. Maybe there was some power struggle there. There's, you know, it, there, there's easy... It would almost be crazy if there wasn't, right? It's easy to envision a situation or a scenario where certain people, maybe it is Matt LaFleur, maybe it's others, want to stick with the proven commodity. There's job security with a proven commodity. There just is, right? And there's maybe others that looked at the same things that I looked at, the exorbitant cap hit, the you know, getting up there in age, the more frequent injuries, Green Bay coming off a poor season, the opportunity to get some trade assets in return, all those things, right? And say like, hey, I it doesn't even matter necessarily how well Aaron's playing. If you just, you know, if you do a whole decision matrix on this thing, the magic eight ball says, yeah, you should probably trade him. And I, I, it's easy to see how there could potentially be some sort of power struggle there. And maybe that took place. And maybe Green Bay, when they told him to his face at the end of the season, hey, you're welcome back if you want to come back. Maybe that was the case at the time. And then maybe something happened. There was some sort of different dichotomy or dynamic that happened uh, within the organization that they realized they wanted to go forward with Jordan Love. It's tough to say, right? That's where we're still reading between the lines a little bit. But according to Aaron, there was some change. And that's extremely believable because you could see it at the, and I talked about this on Justice on Packaday with Justice Mosqueda on Packaday Live uh, yesterday. You could see it in the difference in interactions. When Goot talked right after the season and then the bye right before the season ended, it was, hey, this was not a one year thing. We signed him to a long term deal. This was not just a one year investment into Aaron Rodgers. And you could, and yes, he still sort of played it off a little bit, but it was very clear. Like, hey, this was not just a one year thing. And then, when he talked at the combine, well, we knew this is a year-to-year thing and we're going to take it one step at a time and we have to have those conversations with Aaron. And it was extremely clear to me during both the bye week and especially right after the season that while he, you know, while Brian was, you know, kind of leaving options open, that's exactly what he was doing is he was leaving options open. He wasn't committing one way or the other. It seemed to me like there were, there was canned statements that was leaving options open. And I said that at the time. But then you could still see there was a shift because at combine, come combine time, it was a night and day difference. And everyone could read between the lines that wanted to, all right, Green Bay's moving on. They're going to Jordan Love. And then the Mark Murphy statements come out and Aaron mentioned those as well. And all right, it was very clear they're moving to Jordan Love and Aaron Rodgers is no longer going to be the quarterback of the Green Bay Packers. It just took 
somebody finally saying for sure this is going to happen. And Aaron is finally the one that says, yes, I plan on being a member of the New York Jets in 2023. Per Rob Domovsky, that is going to happen. The trade is going to happen. And it's it sounds like there's not going to be a major holdup or hiccup here in trying to get this figured out. I'm sure there's going to be a little bit of back and forth on compensation, but I have zero doubt in my mind that will ultimately get you know figured out eventually, right? So it's it's an interesting dynamic. I can understand all of it. I don't think, and I was going to talk about this a little bit at the end, but like the people are acting rationally throughout this for so far. I really do believe that. I can understand Aaron's frustrations with the process and that maybe Green Bay wasn't quite as transparent or just to have the, I don't know, like I, I guess the, the respect and the reverence to just be like, we're going in a different direction and just look Aaron in the eye and say that. And I can understand, like, I understand the human side of that for Aaron. I really do. I can understand Green Bay having to look out for Green Bay. And that sucks, right? That absolutely sucks. But Green Bay looks out for what's best for the franchise. And a lot of times that ultimately ends up with you having to trade away Brett Favre and trade away Aaron Rodgers and cut Jordy Nelson. And there are very few players in the history of the team and trading away Devontae Adams that ultimately end up just being able to retire with the team. So that's a hard part of the process, but I can understand the rationale from both sides. Now, a couple other quick notes. Again, as I mentioned, Aaron Rodgers did not mention Goot. He did not mention Matt LaFleur. You know, he did mention other people in the building, and I'm sure he's you know not exactly too pleased with how this went down and probably is not you know super fond of some of the people high up in the organization. But like I said, I thought this was overall extremely professional from Aaron. And I like I said, I don't know what more you'd want from him than being open and saying exactly what was happening and clearly caring about the city of Green Bay, caring about the team and wanting, you know, kind of just to move forward at this point. I thought it was well done. For those of you who have been following me for some time now, um, you know that this is ultimately what I wanted Green Bay to do, right? Wanted Green Bay to trade Aaron Rodgers. Wasn't anti-Aaron Rodgers in any capacity. I thought for all the reasons that I just mentioned before, mostly due to the exorbitant salary cap hit that really Green Bay and, and Aaron kind of both backed into a corner where like Green Bay was almost forced to make this decision. I'll talk about that in, in just a little bit, but mostly due to that, it, it it was just time to move on. And where Green Bay was at as a franchise coming off a losing season, it just, it just made sense. Uh, but that doesn't mean that this is easy. It doesn't mean that it's fun. You never want to see a legend from your team go forward and have to play for another franchise. Not exactly like super stoked to see him not putting that green and gold on. I'm not exactly stoked to see him wearing a different helmet decal. Like that's going to be weird. It's going to be different. It's not, like I said, it's not like the ideal situation, right? So let me walk you through and not to make this necessarily about me, but like when the entire Rogers situation happened, and when they drafted Rodgers, I was mostly indifferent. I didn't have a strong take either way. I was I was more excited than I was disappointed for sure, because this is a player who was thought of as potentially the number one overall pick in the draft. And, and Favre had already been reaching the point where he was sort of, you know, waffling back and forth with retirement on numerous occasions. And I, I was totally fine with that draft pick, but it, mostly indifferent at that point. There was nobody really on the board that I was like super stoked about. And the number one player on, on the board potentially was falling to Green Bay and they selected him. So there's always an excitement there, right? So there was some excitement. And man, when you watched him play early, I'm like, there's no way this guy turns out. <laughs> you watch, And that's not like a hot take for me. Like watch, he's still got the ball up here. And like, he was so bad. He was so bad in preseason and camp and all of it. Like you're just like the going from Brett Favre to that guy, like it's just not going to work. Right. And then of course he had his moment in the Dallas Cowboys game where he sort of tears it up in you know, limited duty against one of the best teams in the NFL and makes a little run in that game. Although Green Bay ultimately loses. And then you've got the whole Favre fiasco. And as I mentioned before, when the whole Favre thing happened and I was the biggest Favre fan in the world. Like, you know, so and we'll get to that in just a second too. But when the whole Favre thing happened, when everyone turned on Aaron and turned on Ted and turned on the organization, like for me, I was all in on Aaron and Mike and Ted. I was all in. I was all the way in. And to watch Aaron 
like there's a couple things, right? So to watch him evolve, first of all, to see him get those wins over Brett Favre in the second season was incredible. That was amazing to see him evolve. I don't know when anyone else like had their Aaron Rodgers moment when they realized, oh, he's he's really freaking good. <laughs> and for me, it was a preseason game. I, I think it was against the Colts. I could be totally misremembering that. It doesn't matter. But I remember in a preseason game, like before he had had his breakout or anything, I think it was before, I think it was his first year starting. Um, I could have the dates, details, whatever wrong, but I know it was a preseason game. I was sitting in the end zone and I'm in, I'm in the North end zone. My season tickets are in the North end zone and it's perfect because when they're going towards the South end zone, I basically have the all 22. I ba- I can, and I'm sitting directly behind the quarterback. So I literally see what Aaron sees. I literally see what Brett saw. I literally see these play, these routes develop and what Aaron's looking at. It's the most, for me, it's the best thing in the world. I would not trade those seats for almost anything. So I'm watching him and there's this seam pass up the middle of the field. And he was tearing it up in this game. It's preseason. It doesn't matter. But there's this pass. He hits up the seam with just zip. And in like in te- it was just, it was so perfect. And I literally just like, stopped everything I was like it was like time stopped and it was I don't know how to explain this throw but it was just I'm like he's got it he's it he and then again added with all like the mobility and the other throws that he was making in that game but this throw was just like oh crap he he's going to be in he's going to be really freaking good and then he took off from there but to have those wins against Minnesota and then the yeah, ultimately you've got the playoff game against the Cardinals where he's got the fumble at the end, misses the throw beforehand, and then he rebounds from that. You come back eventually. He goes through the the, the Atlanta Falcons game, right? The the game in the divisional round game, the Tremont Williams pick six and everything. Maybe the best game I've ever seen from a quarterback. He just was there was there was zero percent chance that Aaron was going to lose that game. There's zero percent chance. He was just on an entirely different level. Like how many times did we see him do the little thing where he like pulled up and then like ducked out and then like spun around and like, you know, exactly the one I'm talking about to the left sideline, backed up in his own end zone to pick up a first down. There was John Abraham that completely whiffed, like a really good edge rusher, just completely whiffs on him. And then just the throws he was making in that game. And they get that huge win against the Falcons. They get the NFC championship game against the bears. And then uh, the the Super Bowl, right? The, the throws in that game, but the throw to Jennings, unbelievable. But when when you had that kneel down in that Super Bowl, the <laughs> the goosebumps are real right now. But uh, to watch that group win the Super Bowl with all the injuries that they had that year, and to see and it hits different right now even, but to see Ted Thompson and, and Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy on that podium holding that Super Bowl trophy was otherworldly for me. I had visions of that moment in my head when all of the death threats towards Aaron and when all the people were trying to run Ted Thompson out of town and we're so sick of McCarthy, he can't win the big one and anything like that. I had so much faith in all three of them and I literally envisioned it. I'm dead serious. I swear to you, I literally had the vision in my mind of Ted and Mike and Aaron. I didn't have I didn't have the vision of Clay on there as well holding the WWE title belt. That I did not have the vision of, but I had the vision of Ted and Mike and Aaron on that podium holding the Super Bowl trophy. To see that in that moment and to see the journey that Aaron had made from, you know, this falling in the draft in, in the first round inexplicably to being this backup quarterback, going through all the saga that uh, he had to go through and handling it with extreme professionalism and then winning a Super Bowl with some of the performances that he put on, including in that game, again, that throw to, to Jennings, right? And then, you know, for, like, so that was, again, otherworldly. One of the greatest, one of the greatest sports moments of my absolute life, like no question about it. And so to have that, and that the, even before that, like the kneel down, the kneel down at the end of the game, where you can just see the, the pure unadulterated joy from Aaron Rodgers, because that was in, in, in literature, right? You're following around the main character. In The Last of Us, you're following around Joel, and um, you know you're following around Frodo. You're following around Harry Potter. You're you're seeing the eyes through the protagonist, and like you almost become in those moments the protagonist. Like we were all Aaron Rodgers in that moment. 
that was it was like a journey that he led us on. He was the he was the hero, but we saw the entire season and his entire career arc through his eyes. And to see that kneel down, that final kneel down and just the pure joy, we all felt that too. And it was unbelievable, right? And then to go on and the we could go on and on about the throw against Dallas, the um R-E-L-A-X, like run the table, the um the again the Jared Cook throw, the Hail Marys, the uh, just him willing his teams at time to victory. You've got Jeff Janis at wide receiver in playoff games, and it doesn't matter because you've got Aaron freaking Rodgers, right? Like that stuff is forever. That's it's forever. He's he's legendary. There, if there's not, there should be a statue of Aaron in front of Lambo. Like there just should be. Um. So yeah, that's not easy. And we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. I mentioned I was going to be fully transparent. When I got into doing this entire thing, whatever you want to call me, analyst, blog, you know, blogger, podcaster, whatever, doesn't matter. When I decided to do all of this, I made a promise to myself. I said, if ever you can't be a fan of the Green Bay Packers anymore, you're done because being a fan of the Packers is more important than anything to me. And thankfully it's never gotten to that point. I can tune in every Sunday and I can enjoy the game and I can be a fan. That said, by doing this as much as I do it, 365 days a year, analyzing everything, every detail, every moment, every transaction, every salary cap, every everything, everything, all the grading every player on every play, all of it, right? The analyst side is always turned on now. Always. It's, it's, it's impossible to fully turn off. And there's a piece of my fandom, not all of it, because I, I love it. I love the team. I love it. I can still tune on Sunday. I can still go to a game in the stands. I can enjoy all of it. But there's a piece of that that it doesn't die, but it gets shoved down just a little bit. It's a reason I love the Bucks and the Brewers and some of these teams so much because I can just be an idiot fan. I can just be an absolute, pure unadulterated idiot fan. And it is a lot of fun with the Packers. I can still be the fan, but I've always got that analyst turn on. So lately when I've been telling you, and it's my full wholehearted belief 
that this was the best move for Green Bay. And I would get frustrated at times, just full transparency, because I would it, I would see it as clear as day that, and as, as, as painful as it is, as much of a stab to the heart as, as, as it is, I would see it as clear as day that this is clear, like you can't look at the salary cap, the age, the play from a season ago, where this current team is at. And I've laid out everything for you in all the different shows that I've done about Aaron Rodgers. I think there's you know three of them, the, the incredible risk, why they should trade Rodgers, the Rodgers contract. Those are the three main ones, right? That I did on this. I laid everything out and I would lay all of this out. And then people would be so incredibly angry and be like, you just, you hate Aaron Rodgers. Or they would say, you know, <laughs> like, how stupid can you be? The, the Packers are going to be nothing without Aaron Rodgers. They're going to, and I, it, it's, it's hard when you feel so strongly about something and lay it out with as much detail as I could possibly lay it out in. And then there's just still anger and frustration. And, and clearly not everyone's just going to be a handful of people. But then I remembered that when I, when, when I was growing up and when I was first a fan, I was eight years old when Brett Favre came in for Don Mikowski and took over for and, and threw the game-winning touchdown pass to Kittrick Taylor. I was eight years old. I was in the north end zone, same seats I was talking about earlier. And my dad lifted me up in the north end zone. And uh, uh, so I could see um, Kittrick Taylor catch this pass. And that's if you want to know why I'm so passionate, you can go back. Your first game as a fan is your dad holding you up so you can see Brett Favre throw the game-winning touchdown to Kitcher Taylor against the Cincinnati Bengals. The rest is history, right? You're, there's no, there's no coming back from that. You're, you're baptized at that point. You're, it's in your blood at that point. So uh, fast forward to it was a New Year's game. It was one of the years where Favre was thinking he was maybe going to retire. It was New Year's Eve. I was in college at the time, and. Brett Favre was talking like he did like a very emotional interview at the end of the game. It was a meaningless game. They were out of the playoffs. It was against the Bears, New Year's Day or New Year's Eve, excuse me. And he was doing the interview and I think he was all choked up and it was very clear that that could have been it for Brett. It was one of many moments that would transpire over Brett's career. But in that moment, I lost it. I was like, that's it, Brett, he's done. And I was shattered. I was absolutely shattered because I was just a pure fan. just a million percent a fan. I don't freaking care what it's what the salary cap would have been the next year. I don't care who his wide receivers were. I don't care if his running back was Sam Congato. I don't know if that was the season or not. Like, I don't care. This is Brett freaking Favre. I saw the pass in the back of the end zone from Favre to Kittrick Taylor. I saw him win a Super Bowl. I saw everything. I saw the five or six interception games from time to time too, but that's like as legendary and as hero as you get. And of course, um, unfortunately, due to some things, he's not quite the same hero for a lot of reasons now. But like in that moment, when you're just a pure fan, if, if future Andy Herman would have had a Pack-A-Day podcast at that time and I would have been listening to it back then, I would have said, shut the hell up. I don't, I don't, I just want to watch Brett Favre play another season because you have that attachment to him. So I get it. When I've said on previous episodes, hey, this is, I think it's best to trade Aaron. I absolutely think it's best to trade Aaron. But man, that stuff's not easy. And I know a lot of you have grown up with Aaron the same way uh, that I grew up with Brett. And just having that person that was your reason Maybe that you became a fan of the Green Bay Packers, that you became a fan of football, that like he's been your quarterback for your whole life, you know, like for some of you. Like, I get that. There is a lot of power and a lot of weight and a lot of emotion that goes with that. And I get that. So as much as I believe that this was the right move for Green Bay. And that it's it was the right time for Aaron. I also think it's the best for, thing for Aaron. I also think it's the best thing for the Jets. I actually think that this is a win-win-win. I know some people just don't want to hear that. And I just know that some people right now just want to hear that Aaron was amazing and had this insane 
freaking career with the Green Bay Packers. And I think it was Bill he- it was Bill Huber or Bill Huber retweeted it, one of the two things. I apologize for not having it exact. But um, somebody was basically putting it that basically since since Aaron, really going back to Brett, every single Sunday, as a fan of the Packers, you had a chance to watch a team win a football game. You expected the team to win the football game. You always had a puncher's chance. You had a puncher's chance at a Super Bowl every year that you had Aaron or Brett. You, you, we, it's been almost 30 years since we went in, you know, really went into a season. Yes, there's a couple here or there for obvious reasons, injuries that ended up happening or, you know, unexpected going from Favre to Rogers, things like that. But for the most part, for the last 30 years, we went into a season expecting a potential, you know, deep playoff run or a potential Super Bowl. There's, that's incredible, right? And this is a change into the guard. We don't know if that's going to happen. Like Green Bay could go a decade without sniffing a legitimate, like a, a playoff win. That That's a possibility now. This is a massive dynamic change. So while I think it was the right move, while I think it was the right decision based on the circumstances right now, this is a major, major changing point for the organization. And like I said, there's a lot of emotion and I get that. And I think there's going to be a lot of really cool stories uh, that come out, a lot of really cool memories, a lot of really cool videos that are posted. I can't wait for all of them because I'm, I'm, you know, those memories are, like I said, those memories are forever. And the last thing I'll say too, and I've mentioned this in the past, but I've seen Aaron do incredible things in Green Bay. I've been at a childhood cancer benefit that he was at, went so far above and beyond. This was not him showing up and, you know, shaking a couple hands and, you know, earning some money. He could have cared less about every single adult in that building. He had zero care for all, for any adult in that building. His energy and attention was on every single one of those kids, trying to make them smile, have fun, and just enjoy that moment. And I've seen a lot of stuff like that from him. I've seen him do a lot of good. Like I know for a fact that this is somebody who cares so much for Wisconsin, for Green Bay. He's part owner of the Bucks, And as he mentioned, he is going to continue to have a influence in the state of Wisconsin is going to be connected to the state of Wisconsin for probably ever until, you know, whenever. But um, I'm super appreciative of, of him in, in what he's done for Green Bay and what he's done for the Packers and how he carried the G 99.9% of the time. And even when things didn't go totally right or there were just like, he always had what he thought and again, there's always going to be a difference of opinions on things. He always had what he thought was the best interest in mind for the, the Packers organization as a whole. I, I I know how much he cared for that franchise and uh, that's incredible. And I'm going to miss that. And the hope is that Jordan's the next person to carry that, that torch and be the next person that is the player that people want to play with and and can be a, a top quarterback in this league. And, you know, we don't need to get into all of that because we don't need to put unnecessary expectations on Jordan right now. But um, it's a, like I said, it's a, it's a changing of guards. It's a changing of eras. It's, there's a lot, there's a lot of weight to it. Um, Where do we go from there? What's next? I, I do believe the trade will get done. I don't think it's going to take that long. I don't think this is going to be something that drags out maybe into next week at the latest. I would be shocked if a week from now there isn't a, a trade done at the very, very latest. So do expect that to get done. Trade comp, I give up. Um, I've said in the past, I think it could be a little bit less than a one. Bill Huber just had an article, talked to a couple of league executives. They both thought it would be a one, although maybe not pick 13, meaning that like their second and third round pick combined actually equal like a late first round pick or that it maybe could be a 2024 uh, first round pick, those sort of things that it may not exactly be pick 13, but first round pick in value. And that makes sense to me. Like I said, uh, a second round pick and maybe a conditional pick that probably starts as like a third. I could understand that. So I don't know. I would be shocked if it's much more than a one. I always said one is within the realm of possibility. I always said be cautious, be careful. I expect it to be more in like the two plus range, maybe then more in the one plus range. But man, if Goot can pull off pick 13 or anything more than that, it will be a huge win in my opinion. Like I said, at minimum, Green Bay should be picking 13 because at at worst, they should be able to move up two spots and then still get that second and third. Like that swap should at minimum be a part of it. So they're picking at 13 instead of 15. But man, if Goot can get both those picks, it would be a massive massive uh, win for the Packers and Brian Gutekunst. I don't expect, I know Aaron was a little bit concerned about the Packers. I just think this is going to get done uh, sooner rather than later. 
I, I did want to quickly touch base on the previous contract, the 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 huge the the contract with option bonuses and things like that. One of the things I think that played out here, and I've talked a little bit about this, is the the deal that was signed. And Green Bay gave themselves a massive out with the option bonus that they did and that it doesn't kick in right away, that it doesn't kick in until basically the start of the regular season. So they had until the league year started up until like the first regular season game to basically figure out a trade with Aaron. They gave themselves a huge out there. But what I don't think Green Bay or Russ Ball or Aaron Rodgers or David Dunn or really anyone expected was that when Aaron signed that deal, when Green Bay signed that deal, that how it was structured was in a way that it almost painted the Packers into a corner where they had to trade him. And I think that's where I like I ultimately kind of end up on this entire discussion of like, was this right or wrong? And as I mentioned before, it's a $40 million cap hit if they trade him right now, or if they trade him period. If it's after June 1st, which we don't even need to talk about anymore because it's not going to be, but it would have been that 40 would have been split between two years. But since they're going to do it before June 1st, it's a $40 million cap hit, right? If he had played for one more season and then retired next year, which if he was 90% almost retired this year, we can probably bet next year there would have been a really good chance that he retired next year. If he would have played one more year, instead of that 40 million, they would have had a hundred million that they would have paid him for that one season. 40 mil or 31 mil this year and 68 mil, um, so 99 technically, but 68 mil that would have been split between next year and the following year. That's a massive, massive financial burden for one player for one season. And you add in the fact that you can probably not only just get off that 60 million, but also get trade compensation in return, also get an opportunity to view your former first round pick in Jordan Love and see if he can be the face of your franchise before have to, having to offer him a massive contract. There were just too many things that ultimately were so in the favor of trading Aaron to the point where if Aaron even played at an MVP level last year, I I think based on the like how the rest of the team performed and based on that contract, I think Green Bay would have had to have a real conversation of if doing the exact same thing just because the contract would have been so exorbitant. So I don't know. I do think if the record was better last year, like if they had another 13 and three season and Aaron like won an MVP or at least was in the conversation again, played amazing. Like, yeah, maybe Green Bay is looking a little bit more towards running that back uh, one more time. Right. But I just think there were so many things that went in the favor. And I think that contract was a huge one. I think if that gets structured a little bit differently, and again, I don't think anyone foresaw that. I don't think Goot or Ball or the Packers or Aaron or Don or anyone uh, expected that to happen when that contract was signed. But you got to this exit point where basically you're kind of holding a gun to Green Bay's head being like, if, they, if you move forward with this guy, there's a ton of risk moving forward. And again, you can go back and listen to my episode with how much risk is actually involved here, but there's so much risk. And now Green Bay is like, the clock is ticking. Like they have to do something now. It doesn't shock me that Green Bay all of a sudden came to a conclusion. It's just like, oh, we got to go to Jordan. So I, I think that's ultimately what happened here. And like I said, I do ultimately think that this was the right decision for Green Bay. All right, really quickly, uh, Rogers scheduled the Jets. Uh, and this isn't the full schedule, but these are some of the crazy games that are going to happen this year with Rogers and the Jets. Jets play and, and Rodgers plays Josh Allen twice, Tua and the Dolphins, that team that's loading up, Jalen Ramsey, Tyreek Hill, et cetera. They play the Dolphins twice, obviously. He'll play Belichick twice. He's going to play Patrick Mahomes in the Chiefs, Justin Herbert in the Chargers, Jalen Hurts in the Eagles, Devontae in the Raiders, Mike McCarthy in the Cowboys, Deshaun Watson in the Browns, Russell Wilson in the Broncos. And you've also got the Meadowlands matchup between the Jets and the Giants. That's not all the games, but that's what? 2, 4, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. That's 14 of the games just right there. Like those are, like all of those could be Sunday night football games. And you'd be like, all right, sign me up. Those are good games, right? So I am excited just to see, you know, Jets versus all of those teams. It's going to be a very fun season to watch upcoming. So that will be what's next for the Jets and Aaron Rodgers. They got a very fun season. We're going to get some very epic matchups. What's next for the Packers? 
course, you're moving forward with Jordan Love. As I mentioned, you probably want to take a little bit of a step back from adding any big time players right now. You want to save that for the future, but the calculus changes for the front office and the coach. You've got a new quarterback and now, especially with Brian, who drafted Aaron, or drafted Jordan and now has made the decision to move on from Aaron and go to Jordan, now the hot seat is there, right? And there's a lot of pressure now on Jordan, right or wrong, but there's going to be pressure on Jordan. There's a lot of pressure on Matt LaFleur. There's going to be even more pressure on Brian Gutekind. So the calculus is going to change there a little bit. Jordan is going to get the opportunity to start. We'll see if they add a veteran backup or if they do that via the draft. And I just want to reiterate um, a couple things really quick. A, that I agree with Aaron. I don't think there's a villain here. And I know I have tweeted out, everyone's always mad about something. So people are mad at the media. People are mad at Goot. People are mad at Rogers. People are mad. Like, I think if you look at it and just take a step back, notice that there's gray area, that everyone was acting at least semi-rationally. Everyone basically made some mistakes and everyone would like to probably have something back. But I don't think anyone's a villain here. I, I agree with Aaron. I really, really don't. And I think this is has been managed about as amicably as you could possibly have it. And the last thing I'll say here, that's not true. I have a couple last things, but I just want to point out that Rogers, had he wanted to, and I mentioned this on the live show as well, he could have gone nuclear. He could have gone absolutely nuclear, and this could have been an absolute nightmare. So just know Green Bay could not trade Aaron without him saying that he was going to play somewhere else. They couldn't do it because no team is going to take on the burden of if, because if in that situation, right, if, if Rogers wanted to force his way back to Green Bay, he says that Green Bay says, we're just going to trade you to the Jets. We're going to trade you to the Jets and you can either play or you can retire. That sounds good, right? But Rogers can tell the Jets, if you, if you trade for me, I'm retiring. And if the Jets trade for him and he retires, that huge salary cap hit that we just talked about that Green Bay didn't want to take, the Jets take that on. There's no team in the NFL that can take on or is going to risk taking on additional salary cap. The, the, the trade compensation doesn't even matter. It could be for a 2025 seventh round pick at that point. It doesn't even matter. The, the team is not going to take on the risk that they could have to pay Aaron Rodgers a bunch of money if he retires. So no team is going to take him on unless they have buy-in from Aaron that he's actually going to play the season. So Aaron has veto power over any trade, legitimate veto power. So that's number one. Now you could have a team that's desperate and that just says, we're going to trade for Aaron. If he retires, we'll take the cap hit, but we think we can convince him to play. There could be a team that does that, but it's probably not likely. So Aaron, for all intents and purposes, has a no trade clause. In addition, all of that dead cap space, if Green Bay cuts Aaron, accelerates into this year. So you have basically a $99 million cap hit, which Green Bay, there's you cannot do it. They can't open it up, up enough salary cap space to actually take that on. So they can't release him. They literally cannot cut him. They can't release him. They can't waive him. They can't do anything. They just can't. So Aaron knows that they can't trade him if, they, if, he, doesn't, if he doesn't agree to it. Aaron knows that they can't cut him. And Aaron knows that if he wants to force his way back into Green Bay, that all he has to say is, you can't trade me, you can't cut me, I'm coming back to Green Bay, and you can't do anything about it. Now, Green Bay would have had a power play on their hand and said, you can come back, but and, and we'll pay you your 30 mil, but we're going to ask you to stay away from the team, or we're going to have you be Jordan's backup, or we're gonna, well, we'll pay you your 31 million that you're due this year, but you, have, you're, you don't have a role on the team. That would have hurt Rogers' legacy, would have been ugly for Green Bay, would have been ugly for the Packers. It would have been ugly for Jordan to have to go through that. But Rodgers could have been like, all right, I'll sit here. You're going to start Jordan Love while you have the four-time MVP just sitting here. What if what if Jordan struggles his first couple games and the entire fan base has seen me sit on the sideline? You're just going to have me sitting on the sideline there? Not going to put me in because you're stubborn, because you just want to see Jordan play? That could have been so ugly, so ugly, like just brutally ugly. He could have done that. He could have went nuclear and said, screw you guys. I'm going to retire a Green Bay Packer. If you want to go forward and start Jordan while I just sit here, that's fine. He said it would have been bad for, it would have been bad for everyone, but that's what going nuclear is, right? It's, there's no winners when you go nuclear. You're just going nuclear at that point. Aaron could have done that. He didn't. Maybe other quarterbacks would have. Maybe other quarterbacks would have. He didn't. 
your mileage may vary on how much credit you want to give for somebody not being a, a dick in that situation. Maybe I don't even know that Rogers like, I don't know. We don't even need to get into it more. I'm just, I'm very, very happy at this point that there wasn't that, that there, this wasn't nuclear, that we didn't have a Rogers or a Favre Packers scenario all over again. And it was so ugly. I'm just very, very happy about that and thankful for Aaron on how he handled that part of the process for sure. I mentioned this uh, on a tweet. I mentioned it on the live show. And I said, this may make no sense, but to some extent, I feel like I've been reading the same book for the past 30 years. It's one of the best books ever written. But even though I'm 99.9% sure the next book I read is going to be worse, I'm just so excited to read something new. That's what I feel like in this situation. I've, while I'm very respectful of everything that's happened over the past 30 years, would not trade it for anything, for anything, right? I'm I'm so excited for just something new and different, even though I know it's probably going to be worse. I am just, I'm excited for a new chapter. There's something that's exhilarating about that. And I'm very excited about Jordan. I think he's going to handle this incredibly well. I have no idea. It's a complete mystery box. And he could be awesome. He could be the next Hall of Fame quarterback. He could bust out in a couple of years. Who knows? But it's gonna, it's a beautiful mystery. And we are about to find out very, very soon. So I think that's mostly going to do it. I'm excited for the Packers. I'm excited for Jordan Love. I'm excited for Aaron Rodgers as a member of the New York Jets. I'm excited for the NFL. I think there's a lot of wins that come out of this. It's a monumental day. We're going to look back at this moment for just about ever. And I will end things by just saying a massive, massive thank you to Aaron Rodgers for being an incredible ambassador of the Green Bay Packers, of the city of Green Bay, of the state of Wisconsin, being one of the all-time great NFL quarterbacks and for giving me some of my absolute favorite football memories and Packer fans, some of the best football memories that you could possibly, possibly imagine. I have nothing but respect and reverence and appreciation for his contributions as a member of the Green Bay Packers. And I can't wait for to see him retire as a member of the Packers. I'm excited to watch him as a member of the Jet Jets. And uh, I'm just very thankful that I got to experience Aaron Rodgers as a member of the Green Bay Packers. That is going to do it for me today. Thank you so much for joining me. Love you all. I'll see you guys tomorrow. But until next time, and as always, go Pack Go.